Hey everybody, I'm Sophia Paris, and I'm here with my dear friend Amber Weston, and we're gonna talk about more um, YouTube experiences. Amber has had a crazy time since the storm hit. Category five super typhoon hit Saipan, hit Tinian, and the CNMI is definitely still reeling about a month later. Amber, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Sophie. Just for you saying that, I have goosebumps just talking about it, honestly. I know that, yeah, a lot of people, including you, including a lot of people I love, I wasn't here for the storm, but I have definitely re-entered into an island community that is dealing with trauma, and I really appreciate you being open and being willing to relive and share your story because... The continental U.S. has not been open to the fact that you two even happened. And so my hope is that through these stories being shared, people can understand what it's like to go through a typhoon. I totally love that you're doing that because I think it's extremely important for people to understand the amount of damage and how much um, hurt was involved in this storm. A lot of people have lost everything. So the more people that talk about it, the, the better it is for people to understand that it, you're not alone in this and that we're all here together. Exactly. And also, hopefully as a result of people knowing what kind of damage can be done, preparation efforts will be more informed and more effective because we're definitely struggling from an island that wasn't totally prepared for something like this. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. We were definitely not prepared for a Category 5 plus typhoon for sure. Um, I know that... A lot of people took as many precautions as possible when it came to this, but we were not expecting what happened here with you two. Would you mind sharing what you did do to prepare for the typhoon beforehand? Yeah, I was uh, blessed with a very lovely company that I work for that allowed me to actually leave early that day that uh, before it hit. So I was able to get more stuff done than I would have. So I prepared by pulling cash out because I knew that if the ATMs and the electricity was down, that I needed to have funds. Mm-hmm. I prepared with getting canned goods. Um, I got toilet paper, things like wipes. I got... Wipes are very important. Wipes are very important. When the water and the electricity <laughs> are potentially going to go out, like I know it's gross, but if you know a typhoon is coming towards you, get some wipes. It's real. It is real. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> is real, for sure. I got, I did get a couple bags of ice to prepare for mm-hmm. that, just in case we did lose um, the electricity. We didn't know if we were going to lose it. It was a Category 1, and 24 hours later, it was a Category 5. So it was a very, very quick, unheard of, fast moving typhoon which we will be seeing more of as climate change and water temperatures rise Mm -hmm. very scary stuff i did that i got gas in my car i got extra gas for for my car as well as a generator if i could hook up a generator if i needed to i made sure that i had dog food which is also very important in this situation how many dogs do you have i have two dogs Mm -hmm. so two very large beautiful gorgeous animals that i have to take (laughs) care of yeah Mm -hmm. so i i did that and i also filled up uh multiple five gallon jugs of non-potable water so that way i had had water to wash my dishes flush my toilet take a shower if i needed to of course that wasn't enough right i mean but also just to give people context that's a lot of prep it's a ton of prep i think you probably did more preparation before the storm than most 
wouldn't you think? I do agree. Actually, I saw a couple of people out and about uh, right before the storm hit, and they seemed a little just like, it's okay, it's going to be fine. And I thought, okay, well, it's okay, it might be fine, but I'm just going to make sure that we're prepared and that we can maintain a household after a typhoon hit. Right. And, and, and that's really smart, but also just so people understand, because they're like, how could you not buckle down for a typhoon? Like, there are false alarms so often on this island as well with Typhoon Mancoot, by the way. Like, it, it hit Rhoda. Yeah. And it devastated the Philippines. It hit Hong Kong really hard. But when it traveled through Saipan, like, my family boarded up the windows and we, you know, got the gas and we got, we always get a big tub of ice cream in case the power goes out. So we're like, uh oh, we have to eat all the ice cream, <laughs> you know? <laughs> what a brilliant idea. <laughs> we did all that stuff. And then it passed and nothing happened. And nothing happened. And most of the time, that is what happens. Yeah. You know? And so um, it's not common to put all that time and all that prep into every single storm warning. But right. You're it's right. good that you did that. Yeah. I definitely felt... Um, yeah. It's interesting because you can feel a buzz in the air when a typhoon's coming. Mm-hmm. It, the it's electric almost. So you can feel it's coming. And with Mancut, I was also did the same thing. I did Mm -hmm. the pull everything inside, buckle down, make sure I had as much stuff as possible. But this time I actually did more stuff. So I don't know if it was just a subconscious thing thing. or an intuitive thing Mm -hmm. where I felt the need to get and gather as much things as possible. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm really glad I did considering the outcome. Can you walk me through what happened once the storm actually hit? No, the storm was insane. I, mm-hmm. I've never... The wind screamed. It mm-hmm. literally screamed. You could... I've never heard anything like it, honestly. It sounded like you were in an arena with a million people who were all screaming for the same person. Mm-hmm. It was so intense. And the thunder and the lightning was right above you. When and did you, it start, by the way? The Honestly, I live in Susupi, so... Mm-hmm. Um, we are towards the middle of the island, um, south side-ish, and we really started to feel the impact of it. Of course, there was wind and storm and rain, but the, really, it started to really get scary around 12 o'clock, I would say. 11, 30, 12 o'clock started when it... Like midnight. Midnight mm-hmm. is when it got really, really kind of terrifying. Yeah. So the wind screaming, what else were you noticing during that time? Well, I heard my roof. <laughs> <laughs> My roof was, I could hear, so I have a Paula Paula next to me on the same mm-hmm. property. I own a Paula Paula is like a little, like, like shack with no walls, and you can hang out on the beach in a Paula Paula exactly. a lot of times. Like, like a picnic a, table under there. Exactly. Yeah. It was a, you know, a covered area outside, and mm-hmm. I, that tin I knew had been old, so it wasn't surprising to me that it went quickly, but it I flew. Could, it flew, yeah. I watched it fly. Mm-hmm. Um of course, when I realized how strong the storm was, uh, was around 12 o'clock and I taped my windows mm-hmm. actually at 12 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. I taped as many windows as I possibly could to secure them. If they did blow out, then at least they'd have some kind of tape to stop them from shattering, like shattering into, into the house. Standing yeah. There. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I started to realize how crazy it was around that time period and you could hear the roof being ripped off. Uh, on the Paula Paula outside area 
and I saw it flying, and I was like, okay, this is real. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't Manka. This is really happening mm-hmm. right now. This is intense, and it just kept getting more and more and more intense. And the mm-hmm. lightning, I, honestly, it was like a crazy laser light show that just exploded. I've never seen anything like it. It was um, like one of those crazy movies, like a bad twister movie. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, it's real life. It was real life, mm-hmm. yeah. So I around 12 o'clock is when we realized that we were not safe upstairs. And mm-hmm. uh, I had a tin roof, a brand new building, well, a refurbished building. We had put all of our money into this building. We had three units, and we lived upstairs in one of the units. And... I started to realize that this is not going to stop, and we have to get out. Mm-hmm. You were on the second story at second that time. Second story, yeah. Mm-hmm. Second story, tin roof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I realized that the ground, well, first off, the entire building was shaking. I've mm-hmm. never felt anything like it. It was uh, vibrating. The, the wind was so strong, it was literally moving the entire concrete building. That's so insane. It was crazy. On top of the screaming wind, which was also... I think more scary and terrifying than anything else is hearing that wind just scream at you. There's mm. you can't. There's no way to stop it. And you just have to be in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you guys went downstairs. What I did was um, we realized that my large window was going to blow out. Um, it was flexing. It was crazy. I've never seen glass flex. Um, so I was worried for myself and my partner and my two dogs. I was worried that it was a mm-hmm. very very large very large glass window Mm -hmm. um so we were very worried about that going and in the midst of us deciding to go downstairs i had been holding the bathroom door closed to try to stop the wind from coming in through the bathroom Mm -hmm. because that door that window was open that window was open and it Mm -hmm. was just yanking me with all my my power and slamming shut and i realized that there's no way i could hold it any longer Mm mm-hmm So we decided that the best thing to do was to hide Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a full concrete structure that was uh, below us, which we were lucky to have. Uh, A lot of people here were not blessed to have a place to hide. So Mm -hmm. we were very lucky with that. And I had my partner take my dogs downstairs. We live in a what was once a office. So we have an office door, which Mm -hmm. is a full glass door, and you cannot lock the door and shut it you have to lock it from the outside so every second you spend outside in 200 mile per hour wind is dangerous Mm -hmm. so i had my partner take my dogs and lock the door and Mm -hmm. we opened whatever windows we could in the house and just let it go Mm -hmm. and i had a tenant in my middle unit on the second story on the second story and luckily the the woman in the far unit was not staying in the building at the time she decided to seek shelter in a full concrete building at a friend's house Mm -hmm. so my partner told me call our tenant the one that was in the building the one that was in the building and tell her that we're coming for her Mm -hmm. because i could hear what is that that is the roof pulling off of my house (laughs) and it was so loud and so intense and you can hear the tin breaking and the tin moving as well as the window flexing and it's screaming and the thunder and the lightning and the rain and it was just so intense and we knew that if we stayed there any longer we could severely be hurt or Mm -hmm. even killed we didn't know things were Mm -hmm. flying everywhere Mm -hmm. you everywhere you looked i decided that i was going to be the one to go get Anne who's my tenant so Mm -hmm. i 
had him take the dogs downstairs to go downstairs to seek shelter. Mm -hmm. And I ran through the top balcony to my tenant's window in the, the bulk of the storm and ran and stood up after ducking down, stood up and looked in her window and realized the, like the significant damage that had actually been taking place. And it was only, I'd say 1230 when this happened. Mm hmm. So the storm, the storm peaked at what, like two or something? The, right? I don't know. I think the storm peaked at like twelve. Okay, and then you. didn't mm-hmm. stop until literally like the last like gusts of like major wind in, in until nine a.m. And and that was part of like the emotional difficulty of getting through the storm, right? So it was just so long. It took forever. Yeah, it passed so slowly. Yeah, it was twelve mile per hour moving storm, twenty two mile high, and it mm-hmm. felt like it took forever. That mm-hmm. was the longest. Like, eight hours of my life, honestly. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if we were going to be okay. I didn't know if anybody else around us were going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what we were going to come and see in the morning. I had no idea. I did, it was at nighttime, It was, a, yep, dark yeah. in the middle of the night. That's yeah. such a long time to have to sit knowing that unfathomable destruction is happening to your home. Yeah, catastrophic is what I called it. Yeah. But, um... Let's go back to when you realized that your tenant's room was super damaged. It was gone, yeah. I looked up and I saw the typhoon, essentially. I looked up through her wall to the right, which is where the roof would be for my other unit, and mm-hmm. it was gone. And so you're looking into the sky. I'm looking from into the, the sky from the window. Mm-hmm. And I guess I yelled so loud. I yelled over the wind. So I yelled <laughs> over 200 mile per hour wind. My girl Amber can yell. <laughs> I will say that. I yelled, I, it was do, for me, honestly, do or die. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to get her out of here. Mm-hmm. And when I realized where she was, she had drug her mattress from her bedroom into the living room and was hiding in a corner in the Just living under room. under the mattress. Under the mattress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of the concrete ceiling board was gone. All of the light fixtures were gone. Everything was just and she's hanging. getting drenched, right? Drenched, With yeah. Typhoon rain, which is full of dirt. And yeah. yeah, it's not your average rain. It's like like a a dirty puddle that's just being sprayed yeah. at you from a fire hose. So I mm-hmm. drew, I yelled over mm-hmm. the wind. I don't even know how it's possible, but I did. <laughs> I yelled over the wind and I said, "We have got to go now." Mm-hmm. And she uh, was very shaken and opened the door and I just grabbed her hand and I said stay low go fast and drug her downstairs and then we resided after dodging glass and large flying objects we made it to a (laughs) safe space (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and that's where we stuck out the rest of the storm and and you were the first person to call FEMA I was yeah I was we were on the phone with FEMA at four in the morning actually Mm -hmm. and I I called we called them at 4 a.m. because we knew it was over for us, mm-hmm. um, that it had been destroyed. Our life savings was gone. Everything we had worked for is gone. And we decided that why not get ahead of the game? FEMA mm-hmm. was actually on island already. so that, they were, That's awesome. I was so happy to hear that, that yeah. they prepared in that regard. Yeah, they were here. Mm-hmm. They were waiting. So... They were already here. Uh, there was a lot of false allegations saying that you could not register for typhoon u2 um spreading around the internet etc well that's uh, because it's first come first serve right exactly so there's a lot of reasons to spread a rumor like that right i completely agree and i believe that that's actually the ultimate goal mm-hmm. so i the the lovely man i spoke with was named john and mm-hmm. i asked him i said to dar who who has called you 
mm-hmm. from Saipan. Mm-hmm. And he said, ma'am, you're the first one. So 4 a.m. in the morning, I was on the phone with them. Registered. Mm-hmm. I had my registered ID number mm-hmm. by 4.30. So I was actually registered with FEMA for YouTube by 4.30 a.m. that morning. Okay. So, so they were good over the phone. But you mentioned to me when we spoke about this earlier that when an actual FEMA rep came and looked at your property, your experience was less than satisfactory. Totally. Absolutely terrifying. Um, What happened? As in, we weren't going to get any kind of help or assistance. Um, I had a very bad experience with this particular individual. Um, I had no um, ID, no card, no paperwork. He spent all of five minutes with me. Uh, He spent 30... You're saying he didn't provide any information about who he was? No. He didn't come with anything for you to fill out? Nothing. He wasn't taking notes or anything? He was not. He spent 30 minutes with my tenant and five minutes with me. Hmm. He wouldn't. I lived in a small studio in my unit. My We lived in the smallest unit mm-hmm. in my building, and he wouldn't even walk to the bathroom to see the, see the space. Yeah, it, it was a... For somebody who spent their entire life savings on a building um, and watching it disappear and then asking for help, from the government and mm-hmm. being a U.S. citizen and never asking for help from the government and paying taxes your entire life. Yeah, this is the first time for many people yeah. ask for help. Yeah. And I know I, that, you know, that's a difficult thing to do when it's your first time. It, oh, it's a very difficult thing to do in general, honestly, because mm-hmm. you want to be, oh, no, I can do this, I can do this. But really, no, we knew when at when it was happening that there was no way to recover from this. It was over mm-hmm. for us. Our Our income was gone. You know, mm-hmm. our building was gone. Our life savings is gone. I am not the only one either. Like, everybody on this island, maybe they didn't lose an entire building, but they lost their home or they lost their car or they lost multiple structures. Mm-hmm. They um, lost what they had. Of they lost what A lot they of had. people are completely devastated, not only, you know, just emotionally from having lost their possessions, but financially. And, yeah. um, and unfortunately, there are people on the island who have lost their loved ones as well. Yeah, yeah. And so it is an important time for people to feel comfortable asking for help because it's not, I mean, this is an intense situation. Yes. And I I believe that, you know, FEMA in particular would, their employees would be trained with some kind of sensitivity training or Mm -hmm. awareness of, you know, what people have lost or what's going on. Um, I, I saw none of that with this particular person. So he wasn't, he wasn't even like a nice guy about it no not really no he actually lied about things on our report said that we denied help and that we were running a business out of our downstairs part of the building which we had never discussed and was never true completely false um he got bit by one mosquito and for those of you guys who do not fully understand um the climate here this is we live on a tropical island it's hot always especially after the storm it got even hotter mm-hmm. and there's tons of mosquito because there's tons of sitting water mm-hmm. and i had tons of sitting water in my upstairs because i had no roof so we had thousands of mosquitoes everywhere and all these people are living with no mosquito netting no coverage no roof no roof getting bit by mosquitoes and this particular person got bit by one mosquito and kind of freaked out which <laughs> i thought was so completely unsensitive Mm -hmm. of that person because i'm Mm -hmm. sitting here with 
easily 50 mosquito bites on my legs, mm-hmm. my arms. Mm-hmm. And for him to be just so annoyed by being bit by one mosquito and showing that frustration to the people he's speaking with felt I disheartening. And, and it was terrible to know that he wasn't, it felt like he wasn't there to help us. He was just there to deny the help that we needed. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we need right now. We need as much help as possible. But you did attempt to file a complaint, right? Like a formal complaint against yeah. this employee, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. It took three hours. Why did it take three hours? We had to speak to multiple people. Hmm. Yeah, and we actually, um, we called FEMA and they had said that we need to contact him to get his the guy that, supervisor's number. The mosquito bite guy? Yeah. So we had to call him, who was mm-hmm. terrible and made us feel bad for asking for help. Mm-hmm. To get his supervisor number. That's and a very awkward situation to force you into. Totally awkward situation. And nobody wants to do that. And mm-hmm. we're traumatized as it is. So we said, no, mm-hmm. we're not going to do that. You need to help us. Because mm-hmm. we're not going to call this individual who made us feel bad for and asking You would for think help. he could just, like, whoever's on the other side of the phone can just look it up. You know, like, if you provide this person's name, they should be able to provide you with the supervisor. See, now, that's the problem, Sophie, is that a lot of the people who are here with FEMA are actually subcontractors. Mm. So sometimes that makes me wonder if there is a alternative motive um, with these particular companies that are coming out here or what the deal is with that. Because from my understanding and my experience and actually hearing back the report that this person had made about our living situation, it makes me feel like almost like he was being rewarded for denying, not for, yeah, denying aid, not for actually helping. So I know that I can't speak for everybody here, but I know that this is not what we need. We need as much help as possible. And we need somebody who's going to be understanding and sympathetic to our situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And that people like that probably shouldn't be doing that job because this is such a traumatic event Mm -hmm. and experience for everybody here. Mm -hmm. If you can't manage to be sympathetic or understanding, then this is the wrong job for you. So I didn't want anything else to... I didn't want... That to happen to anybody else or else I wouldn't have filed a complaint. Mm-hmm. I had to file a complaint because I didn't want somebody else to be treated the same way I was treated. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Yeah. So what did you do to like maintain your sanity? You know, like my hope is that people can listen to this and feel some sense of um, like shared strength. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Honestly, the first thing I did uh, after the storm was, of course, kind of take it all in and uh, take pictures. Um, You got to take a document everything. Mm -hmm. So I documented everything and then I went for a drive because I was lucky enough to have a vehicle that was functional. Functional. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Can't say much for everybody else's, but the wind was so powerful, it peeled paint off buildings. So expensive. Think about that for a second. That That's tremendous force. So I knew that when I left my area that I was going to see complete destruction. And that's exactly what I saw. I went straight to my friend's house who I knew lived in the Kobler area. Um, they got hit as, just as hard as we did. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew that she had been hiding in her restroom mm-hmm. um, away from the storm. 
Mm-hmm. So I, and nobody can get a hold of her. So I was worried. So I that's where I went. And mm-hmm. when you drive from Susupi to Kobler, you dodged everything from tin to line. This like, was just in the road. This is just in the road. This is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, cars are gone. Cars are flipped. Cars are destroyed. You saw buildings, roofs completely collapsed. You saw, I saw looting. Mm-hmm. I saw a four-way road. You can only get by one car mm-hmm. because all of all the transformers, all of the power lines were down, glass everywhere. Things just completely destroyed. Like somebody picked up the island and shook it super, super hard and slammed it down as hard as possible. Mm. Yeah. So it was, um, I needed to go out and see. I really just needed, I needed to make sure my friend was okay. But mm-hmm. I needed to go out and see so that way I had an understanding of how impactful U2 was to Saipan. And I saw it. And how did it feel to see it? It was, um, I was in shock, honestly, for a good uh, 48 hours after, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just talking about it, I like, I get, you know, I get kind of emotional and I get shivers and it was definitely traumatic. So I know that I'll have a little PTSD, PTSD mm-hmm. afterwards for sure. I'm definitely um, never going to take anything lightly like this again, living here in Saipan for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, one thing I've noticed about you, Amber, is that hanging out with you afterward, like, yes, you're coping with this insane situation, but you also are able to be like, hey, what's going on to like everyone you see who yeah. you also know. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to be for me how I dealt with it. Like you asked, I'm sorry, previously, is that I tried to stay as positive as possible, even though I knew that my world was destroyed but it wasn't just me that was destroyed everybody Mm -hmm. was destroyed here we were Mm -hmm. all we're all at loss at this point we Mm -hmm. you know be polite and be nice to people as -hmm. much as possible and help when you can do what you can um you know i what i did was we went to dinner the next day there was Mm -hmm. actually a restaurant open we were super lucky and Mm -hmm. i had no dry clothes so i wore a wet tank top just Mm -hmm. like oversized baggy shorts like out to (laughs) a restaurant just to feel like a human for a minute have like a sense of normalcy have a sense of normalcy and eat a you know eat a hot meal because i knew that that wasn't going to be happening for a while and that Mm -hmm. you know and when we were even there it was right after the typhoon it was like six o'clock the next night just talking to people and i was like hey how are you doing oh yeah well we lost everything but you know what the great thing about saipan is that mariana strong like that's a real thing that's a hashtag that goes around here mariana strong stay strong and the people still people here after losing everything are still in high hopes mm-hmm. and kind and appreciative of what it, what they have left and understand that everybody's going through something traumatic. So that was really, really nice to see people coming. They just being like, oh, yeah, oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, you know, we we lost our stuff. But it's okay. We're here. Mm-hmm. And that's what I say for me to get by I, day by day. That's what I say. People are like, how are you doing? I'm like, day by day. Mm-hmm. Day by day, just, you know, do what you can when you can. Shovel concrete board and throw out damaged furniture when you can. Or mm-hmm. move tin when you can. Or smile when you can. Take your bucket shower and be happy about it. And <laughs> get up and 
go to work, you know, mm -hmm. or get up and help your neighbor. Yeah. Amber, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me.